we're starting this new series, and I think, I think it's a timely series. Uh, I, I want you to think about this for a moment, what we are now. Essentially, we are the sum total of the choices that we have made. Who we are today, we are the result of the choices that we've made in the past. Who we'll be tomorrow, essentially, are the decisions that we're making today. So am I going to be a large man tomorrow, or am I going to make the right decisions today and watch my diet? Am I going to make the right decisions today to make sure I go to bed on time so that I'm not tired and cranky tomorrow? And I'm going to make the right decisions today so that I'll be set up for the future so that I can continue to be a blessing in the place that God has put me. It's all about choices. What will be tomorrow will be a direct result of the choices that we make today. The decisions we make today will determine the future that we enter into. Each day we make choices. We cannot escape choices. Sad to say, you know, there's some times that I wake up and I don't want to make a choice. Who's, who's with me on that? You're just sick of adulting and you want to go back to bed and you want to be a child for the day. Yeah, For some of you girls, you want to go and pull Barbie out or some of you guys just want to go and find a monster truck and just play in the sand. You know, if you think about it, um, we have to make choices. In moving forward in our individual journeys of discipleship and our corporate journey here at church with Jesus, it is the subject of choices that God has flagged with me in this season in life. So we're looking at four weeks of choices over the next month. This is a, a great time to look at it. Last year I made a choice uh, in, in November, uh, newly in the role of senior minister, I made the choice to, to fly down to Adelaide, drive to Melbourne, fly to Adelaide, and, and go to an invitation with Pastor Bill Vasilakis. Pastor Bill is the, uh, head, the chairman of the CRC, and he invited uh, pastors down to the church to do a weekend seminar, pastors at a similar level of growth and a similar size congregations. And I got to sit with six other pastors who were going through very similar stages of growth that we're going through. And I made that decision because I wanted to invest into the life of Life Source Church. But it was a wonderful opportunity. Um, what I got to see opened and broadened my eyes and perspective to what church can be. I always had deep dreams and, and uh, wonderful dreams of what I know God can do through us. But this opened my eyes. Why? Because I made a choice. And while I was there, we got to compare some notes and discuss some things. And I was really encouraged because we were doing some things that were fantastic. We, there were some decisions that were made in the past that had set us up for the future of where God's taking us. And I want to give God gl glory for that. But I also found there was a little thing that some of these large churches do. Um, the church at Seton's around about 800 members. And uh, so it's quite a large church when you think about it. The Australian average for large churches um, is about, oh, sorry, the, 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 the average church in Australia is around about 70, 75 people. And uh, so a large church is considered in that six to 800 bracket. It's like a, a massive church in Australia. And uh, I got to, to talk to some of their, their leaders and the, those who are overseeing some of the ministries. And what I found out was quite interesting. Often a lot of these large churches, they share resources. When, when you get to a certain size, they make choices that, that, that are about uh, the direction that the church needs to make and growing the people of the church like this idea of looking at choices. God flagged with me at the end of last year, we need to choose right if we're going to move forward. And I thought, well, that's a really interesting thing. And there's something that they were doing when I was there for that Sunday morning service. They were actually starting a same series called I Choose. But they didn't write the series like we think we have to do all the time. They actually have borrowed this series 
because it was made freely available to them by another large church. And they used this series to broaden their perspective and the Bible teaching that they were getting. And that's kind of what we're doing today. I figured if they can do it, why can't we? Makes sense? So hence the video, uh, hence the, the, the things that, um, that, that come up you'll see through the month. I didn't write those, I didn't do those. We're not at that stage where we have a production team. You know? But if we choose right today, we might be one day, which is a great, great thing. So I thought, well, okay, let's make a choice to follow something, an outline that would help benefit the church. And that's where we're heading today. So I didn't write a lot of this, but I believe God's breathed on it automatically. So I'll just be his mouthpiece today. Let us just pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share. Let it be uh, an encouragement to the church and let it, Lord God, bless as you want to bless. I pray, Lord, that you will position us to make the right choices and that we will uh, prosper because of it. In Jesus' name I pray. So we cannot escape choices. Just like those ladies who had to make a choice ordering off the menu, each moment we are swamped with decisions that we must make. Uh, this month we will look at choices. And tonight, today, we're going to look at this choice of choosing purpose over popularity. Other choices that we'll look at is looking at choosing surrender over control, discipline over regret, and the important over the urgent. Some pretty hard topics there when you start to think about it. But they're decisions that we must make which will position us for the future. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Can everyone do that? Close your eyes and use your imagination. God has gifted us with an imagination. I want you to imagine a world where everybody likes you, where everybody approves of you and everybody admires you. Now I want you to let out a wow. Wow. And I want you to let out a laugh because that is impossible. <laughs> right? But you can imagine it. How good would it be? You wake up and everybody likes you. Everybody, uh, everybody approves of you. Well, guess what? They don't. Many of you don't approve of me. I've got to make the choice to whether I let that affect me or whether I let that challenge me or whether I live above that choice. Now I want you to close your eyes one more time. Because that will never happen, I want you to imagine something that I believe can happen. I want you to imagine a world, those of you who follow Jesus, imagine a world that is being consumed with pleasing Christ. That the approval of other people doesn't mean so much to you. Imagine waking up every single day with passion and purpose in your life knowing deep down you are doing what you were created to do. That this drives you and the, the approval of others does not distract you. Can you imagine that? See, I believe that's what God wants us to live like. Free of the judgment of others, free of the comparison of others. He wants us to live over and above that, which is why I choose purpose over popularity. It's not only possible, but I believe that God wants that for each and every person that is here today. Is the choices that I'm going to encourage you to make today that you would choose purpose over popularity. Matthew uh, 22 shows us an instance where Jesus' opinion was this whole sense of Matthew 22, 19, uh, 15, where Jesus gives us a teaching. Let's read it. It says, Matthew 22, 
verse 19, uh, 15 says this. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth. Nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Interesting. So they've appealed to Jesus' non-comparative side. So tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image is on the inscription? They said to him, Caesar's, and he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Jesus wasn't up to comparing himself with what the others did. He was about comparing himself to what God's purpose and plan was for his life. He wasn't going to be tripped up in this trap of getting him caught. He wanted to know what God thought about him and walk in the abundance of that. The other one is we can, when we choose this whole sense of, purpose we could follow people like paul in 1 thessalonians 2 3 to 6 it says for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive but just as we have been approved by god to be entrusted with the gospel so we speak not to please man but to please god who tests our hearts For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with the pretext for greed. God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether you are from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Again, you see, you follow examples like Paul, and it's not about people pleasing, it's about following the purposes of God and therefore pleasing God. See, the challenges and the choices that come because we have to make a decision. It's like a line drawn in the sand. The problem, though, is that so many of us, by default, choose the opposite. It's like there's a default setting in us that says you must choose the opposite to what God wants you to do. This default sets us up for things like, what do you think of me? Um, what are they saying about me? Do you even like me? Who, who's on Facebook? Who likes to stick posts up on Facebook and then go back an hour and a half later and just see how many likes that they've got? Yeah. Sometimes you test the water and you put something out about Jesus and you might get one like and then you put a photo up of your meal and you get a hundred likes and you're like, what's that? Obviously, people are more interested in what you're eating than what you're preaching. <laughs> okay, But you think about it, do these people like me? Well, Facebook's a funny thing. They, they, they don't necessarily like you. Right? They're just hooked on this screen flicking thing. Okay, But you see, the, the default is, what do you think of me? What, what do, you, do you even like me? The problem is, if we don't know the purpose of a thing, All we can do is misuse the thing. I'll say that again. If we don't know the purpose of a thing, all we can do is misuse the thing. Think about it. If we don't know the purpose of our lives, we end up experimenting with our life 
and we never achieve the very thing that God wants us to achieve. All the teenagers in the house, you can understand where I'm going with this. It's like teenagers have this inherent rebellious streak in their life and they need to test everything and they need to try it for themselves. There's no such thing as wisdom in those years because they've got to try everything for themselves instead of learning from the experiences of others. Some of them are really good. Some of them listen. Others have to go and try and they experiment, experiment, experiment. Why? Because they're seeking the approval of others. They're seeking where they fit. They're seeking where their place is in this world. But you see, if they don't know the purpose of a thing, then they will always misuse the thing. It's like when I was younger, we used to go to Narendra, and uh, you, you, you might have a laugh at this. I was going to bring a cricket bat. I forgot it. I remembered there was one at church. Um, I looked around everywhere for it. I couldn't find it. And then I text someone and said, can you bring a cricket bat? And they didn't re- look at their message, so they didn't bring a cricket bat. So you're going to have to imagine it. All right? But we used to go to Narendra to the Lake Talbot pool, and we'd stay the long weekend at the caravan park. And it was a whole family thing, kind of like what you islanders do as a tribe. You kind of get together, you play some sport, you have a big meal, you sometimes sleep over at each other's houses, and it's like this tribal community. We were like that growing up. And, and uh, around 6, 7 o'clock at night, we were knackered from the pool, and uh, we, we didn't know what to do, but there was always time for a game of cricket. We call it backyard cricket, but it was in the pool. We'd set the stumps up one end, and we'd put the tree at the other end, and people were rolling their arm over. And I can remember being young and holding this cricket bat, and... Uh, you know, you set your stance for the cricket, and you're like this. I want a bat to show you. And you're like this. Well, women, you kind of are like that with your cricket bat. Like, I've seen it all the time growing up. All right. But I set my stance right, but I had my bat around the wrong way. I didn't know the purpose of the flat side of the bat. It, so, therefore, I had this peak that I was trying to bat with. And the ball would go the opposite way to where I wanted it to go because I didn't know the purpose of the flat side of the bat. That if you use the flat side of the bat, the ball would generally go in the direction that you hit the ball. But because you've got a peak, it goes the opposite direction, so you're hitting it. It's like that in our life. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, then you will misuse the thing. Right? It's like your life. If you don't know the purpose of your life, you will misuse your life. That's not always a negative thing, but a lot of the time it can be seen in that sense. Here's the problem. So many of us don't know the purpose of our lives. If you don't know the purpose of that thing, then you will misuse it. So what do we do? I had to go to my dad or my brother and ask them how to use the cricket bat because someone had gone before them and showed them how to use the cricket bat. Right? So what do we do? We go to each other. I don't know what to do with my life, so I'm going to ask Rodney. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, so I'm going to ask James. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, so I'm going to ask my neighbor who might be living completely the opposite life to what my purpose is. I don't know what to do with my life. What I tend to do is, and I look at someone and say, do you like me? If you don't like me, tell me how I can be better. And then I'll go and change my clothes. And now I say, do you like me? And they say, yeah, you're getting a bit better. And I kind of misuse the thing to try and get their approval because I'm trying to discover what my purpose is in life. We go around it the whole the wrong way. But see, the Bible teaches us to go to God because he's the creator of the thing. God created your life. Therefore, he has a purpose for your life. The person who creates a watch created it for an intended purpose. 
You don't know how to use a watch. You go to the person who created it or who invented it and talk to them and they will teach you how to do it. It's like that with your life. You don't know how to find purpose in your life. You don't go to other people. You go to God first. And yes, he uses other people wisely. But remember, we go to the creator first. So it's not about what we do with our bodies and our lives. It's about being in relationship with the one who created it so we can discover purpose for it. We don't find value in what other people are saying. We find value in what God is doing in our life. Before long, so many of us, without even knowing it, are literally living our lives for the approval of people. Do I fit in? Am I good enough? Do I measure up? Do I... Do you even approve of me? We're trying to find our meaning in what other people think and we're forgetting that God created us for a divine purpose. If you want to know the purpose of a thing, don't ask the thing. Ask the person who created the thing. See, living for the approval of people keeps you from the purposes of God. Remember that. God has a purpose for your life, and if you're always seeking approval from others, you'll never discover the purpose God has for your life. Moses was a man who did this. When you look at Moses' life, Moses was born a Hebrew slave. Moses was left in a basket by his mum so that he would not be put to death. And then the... Um, is it the mother of Pharaoh? The wife of Pharaoh finds Moses in the, in, the, in the basket and she takes him into the palace. She takes him into the palace and she brings him up like royalty, like a prince of Egypt. You see, he had all the comforts of, of this riches, and yet he chose calling. Moses had all the popularity of a prince of Egypt amongst the Egyptians, but yet, he chose purpose, even though it cost him a lot at the start. You see that Moses stands up and, and he kills an Egyptian to show that he's actually a Hebrew man. And, and, the, and the Hebrews turned on him and said, who do you think you are? You see, he, he was trying to do exactly what we do, trying to find purpose in his life, but yet he was fight, looking for it in all the wrong ways. Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews puts it like this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So not while he was young, not while he was trying to discover. When he had grown up in maturity, he tried, he refused to be known as the Pharaoh's daughter, the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with his people of, of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. You see there again, Moses made a choice. So I want to just try to take a moment to disarm this whole word purpose for, for you. Because we can get tripped up with purpose really quickly. Because who's asked, what is my one sole purpose in life? That great thing that God has designed me to do, like establish something as beautiful and as blessed as Compassion Ministries. Like that's my one purpose in life. And if 
you're trying to discover what that is, it just seems like it's way out of line. It's way out of reach. You can't get there. If God whispers in your ear today that you're going to start up a, an organization similar to Compassion, but working in, in other areas, you'd be like, God, don't lie. That's just a laugh. I can't do it. Why? Because that capital P type of purpose, that one purpose in your life that you're meant to do, is overwhelming for you. So we spend a lot of our time trying to answer this one question, what is our purpose, capital P, but we fail to realize that God has created us for lots of little P purposes. right? And, and those little P purposes, they could be things like you could walk up to a mum today and tell them that God loves them, even though they've just yelled at their children. You could walk up to a dad who's, who, who's just completely exhausted for whatever's going on in their life and working hard and, and, and then gets home and I'm probably probably being stereotypical and I'm trying not to be, but he gets home and he just wants to sleep and all the kids come to him and mum is just like, take the kids, I need an hour to myself. You, fathers, you should do that, really. Mums need it. But you see, the little purpose of you might meet someone up the street who can't afford to buy their lunch, but you can meet that little P purpose by being generous. Little P purposes come around all the time and it's actually those that, get us in step and in line to position us so that we can discover what God's ultimate purpose is for us. We, we get consumed with ultimate purpose that it stops us in our tracks from fulfilling the very things God has called us to do. I heard it once said, and um, this is just a diversion, but I heard it once said that there's enough things in here for you to fulfill, to be obedient to God without you even discovering what your ultimate purpose in life is. If we were faithful enough to do the little things that God has asked us to do in here, we will actually uncover and discover what God has created us to do. So little P purpose, big P purpose. Don't get confused, but make a choice to fulfill the small purposes in life and eventually you'll fulfill your ultimate purpose in life. So the power of purpose. Firstly, I'm going to talk three things really quickly about what the power of purpose does in our life. Why? Because we need to choose purpose over popularity. Is that right? We're all on the same page there. That we don't find our purpose by going to each other and saying, am I good enough? Do I look good? And Can I play the guitar good enough? Do I fit in? Like, Do I smell? I mean, I probably do, but oh well, you're going to have to deal with that, right? We actually find our purpose by going to the one who created us and made us in his image. Make sense? So the first one is this whole point. The purpose diminishes distraction this is the power of purpose in your life when you choose to be a person of purpose a man or a woman of god that is purposeful in their life then you put aside the distractions of life right one of the biggest distractions for most of us is the curse of comparing she's already finished school he's making more money than i am all my friends are married already. I don't even own a house and I'm way behind. I don't even have a husband or a wife. All these choices that, 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 that can come my way, but, but yet I'm not there. And I'm comparing what I have in my life to what you have in your life. Purpose diminishes distractions. Nehemiah was like this, and I shared this a little bit with the with the. Uh, leaders at our at our at leaders advance in Yanker. Nehemiah 
Nehemiah, he, he, he's a man who was driven with purpose and he did not allow himself to be distracted. The story of Nehemiah, you can read it in the Old Testament. It's a really, really great story. And I'll try and just give you one real snippet of it. Nehemiah, he gets his burden to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem because the people that were still left, that, 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 that small amount of people were being persecuted. And Nehemiah gets his burden of God to build the walls so that they are safe again. And he goes with the permission of the king and he goes to rebuild the walls to do a good work, which was his purpose in God. You see? And while they're in the middle of purpose, while they're in the middle of it, he's building this wall and he's teaching and all the others are building this wall. And Sanballat and Tobiah, they come to him and they try to distract him from his purpose. But see, Nehemiah was a man who was focused on purpose. His purpose was what? To build a wall to make it safe for the people that were in Jerusalem and to establish the nation again. You see? If, if he was distracted by these things of comparison, Sambalat, Tobiah and the other kings that were raiding them all the time, if he was distracted by what power they had, he would have been distracted by them. And they keep coming to him and he's like, no, I'm not coming. No, I'm doing a good work here. And he puts another brick down and he's like, I'm doing another a good work here. And they come and they bring an army against him and he tells all the people to put their swords on their side and others to carry spears and the others to keep building. And they were working, one with a spear and one with a sword. And the other were putting bricks down and they, were just, they still built, built this wall. You know, because he was a man who was not distracted by other people, he completed a miracle. They built that wall in 52 days. The entire wall around that part of Jerusalem. And that wall being built miraculously was because he did not allow his purpose to be distracted. These guys, they come to him and they're like, we're going to set up a meeting with you, Nehemiah. And he says, okay, you're going to set this meeting up with me, but I'm not going to come. And they said, come and meet us at the Valley of Ono. And he goes, oh, no, no, I'm not going to go to the Valley of Ono. You see, that's what we've got to be like. We've got to not let anything distract us from the purpose that God has called us to do. Right? Does it make sense? God's called you to be a mum, then you don't want anything to distract you from being the best mum you can be in the grace of God. God's called you to earn a million dollars this year, then God will grace you to earn a million dollars this year. And if you go and play PlayStation for seven hours of a day, seven days a week, you won't earn a million dollars. Simple. You get distracted. Very simply. You know what I'm saying? So Nehemiah would not let anything come in to his purpose. He was doing a great work. And we've got to be like that. We've got to be set in our ways. No, we are doing a good work for God. And nothing's going to distract him. Not even the enemy. See, Sam Balat for me is like the, the devil. So when, I, when someone stirs me up, I'll, I'll just say, stop it, Sam Balat. Leave me alone. Right? She laughs because she gets it. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing a great work here. When you're doing what God calls you to do. When I first started to work for LifeSource, I got involved with all the agencies around town, all the help agencies, and, and got involved in that kind of network. Now, that was great for a time, and it served its purpose. I believe I heard God in that moment. But there came a time when, when I had to acknowledge that that became a greater distraction, and it took me away from the purposes of what God was doing. It set us up for a, for, for, for a community benefit, but at the same time, it was distracting me of what God had called me to do. And I had to make this decision. Do I continue to sow into these community organizations and, and reach and do all these things? Or do I make the decision, the choice? Here's the choice. 
Do I sow into you and encourage you and teach you with the Word of God? Do I sow and teach you to become leaders amongst leaders and leaders amongst your community and leaders amongst the world? Because that there is my purpose. And if that's my purpose, there's oh no, no, I'm not going to go to the valley of oh no. I'm doing a great work. Does that make sense? You've got to learn what your purpose is in life and you've got to stick to it and don't let distraction come in your way. I'm doing a great work. Others don't like it. Others don't understand. They try and detract, distract you and they try and say, but we miss you at these meetings. You know, and, 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 and your pride rises up. Like, I missed. I was doing a good work there. And then God taps on the shoulder and says, yeah, you missed over here too. Right? Don't let distractions detract you from your purpose. Your purpose might be to pay off your debt this year. So take a brown paper bag to, to work with you with your lunch in it instead of buying $20 worth of lunch every day. Your purpose might be that, uh, that you want to overcome pornography and the lusts of the world. You know, Stay pure, make the decision, turn the computer off and walk away. Why? Because you're doing a good work. You're actually doing a great work. You, your purpose might be that you want to be, like I said, a stay-at-home parent. Don't let anyone distract you from the purposes God has given you. And he will give you the conviction, the grace, and the encouragement to do so. Secondly is uh, this whole sense of purpose pushes you through the pain. When your eyes are fixed on purpose, they actually will help you. Your purpose helps you overcome pains in your life, the distractions and the storms in life. You can keep going through the same storm, 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 your whole life until you learn the one lesson that God wanted to teach you in that same storm, but you were too prideful to actually hear. You were too hell-bent on being liked instead of actually seeing that God has a purpose for your life. And you're like, but God doesn't even love me because he keeps making me walk through these trials. Well, duh. Get it in your mind that God wants to teach you a lesson. And those storms, they actually will stop. And then you come to another point, like I said last week, and you need to break through. And guess what happens again? The enemy tries to distract you like I said in that first point. And you get pain after pain after pain after pain after sickness after sickness after sickness. I was only saying to someone this morning, we've been sick at home for five months. We haven't slept in 12 months. But yet, purpose pushes you through the pain. You've got to make that decision. God has got a great work for me and I'm going to press on. The pathway to your purpose is paved with pain. Have a look, Moses. His pathway was made with pain. David was the same, with pain. Nehemiah, pain. Esther, pain. Mary, pain. Jesus, look at the pathway to his purpose. How much pain did Jesus endure? You see, what makes us think that we're going to be exempt from pain? Purpose pushes you through the pain. What about mums? Think about it. I never had the privilege of seeing a natural birth. I don't want it now because my wife's all done. But Right? Just had to clarify that for you. Okay? Don't come to me and say, Pastor, you can come and witness. No, I don't want to witness. All right? Okay? But I can, I can imagine. I, I, you know, like I said, God gives us imagination. I can imagine what it would be like for a dad being in the room 
watching his wife go through the extremes of pain in childbirth and labor. But you see, the purpose of it pushes them through the pain. And when they hold that little bundle of joy in their arms, it's like a switch is flicked and they forget the pain because the purpose was worth it. And some of you silly folk go back six, seven, eight, nine times, <laughs> right? But the purpose is pushes you through the pain, doesn't it, girls? Think about it. I hold my little daughter and that's exactly what helps me overcome what I went through in December of 2015 in January. I hold that little girl and the purpose is so worth it. It helps me. How do you handle the critics, those who don't like you? Nothing is easy but purpose pushes you through. You need to make a choice to start somewhere. Not at the big P purpose, but at the little P purpose. My God, my purpose today is to actually get up out of bed and have a glass of water before I do anything. Small P purpose. You're going to fulfill something and it's going to be good for your body. Make sense? You're going to do something that's going to work for you. I'm going to pull this into a close. Critics can't stop you. Obstacles won't deter you. Pain won't slow you. You'll get up earlier, you'll work harder, you'll stay later. Purpose is what actually will drive you. You can't, you might say that I can't, I might say with Christ I can. Have a look. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, with, this, uh, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You might say, we'll have a look at what, Paul writes, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's even bearing through the pain. It's even bearing through the storm that you're working through. You might say, I won't, but I'll say with Christ, I will. Hebrews 12, 2. Um, you can look that up later. It actually says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So purpose pushes you through the pain. And the last point I want you to write down if you're taking notes. Purpose empowers you to please God. This is what Moses tapped into because he was serving God. There was all sorts of opposition against him. He faced it from his enemies. He faced it from Pharaoh. He faced it from his own people who complained like nobody's business. The purpose empowered him to keep going. Why? Because he was pleasing God. This is what God called me to do. This is what I was created to do. You cannot talk me out of doing what God has called me to do. Peter and the other apostles were exactly the same. They were. Couldn't stop. They had to push through. When you look at Peter and the apostles, they were told not to preach the name of Jesus. Not to preach the name of Jesus. They could preach God all they like, but not to preach the name of Jesus. And they said, you can whip me, you can flog me, you can put me in prison. Angel will break me out anyway. You can stone us, you can put us on a cross. This is, see, this is our heritage, people. But they would not be stopped in preaching the name of Jesus. You can talk about any other deity you want today in this society. You can even talk about God. 
No one would care. They wouldn't even listen. You say Jesus and all of a sudden you've got swarms on you. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And he's given us the authority, the right, the birthright to use his name. You see? Purpose empowers you to please God. And let me say, it pleases God when you're in his name. It, you're, you're pleasing God when you are in his name. You might not be able to please everybody, but you can please God. How do we please God? It's a good question. Do you have to work for pleasing God? I don't think you do. Living to please God, or to please people, sorry, keeps you from the purposes of God. Here's the deal. You can't please everybody, can you? You can try. You can't do it. I had to make this decision 10 years ago. Can't please everybody. I had you do that little exercise earlier and you imagined what it was like to please everybody and to wake up that you were liked by everybody. But you know it's a pipe dream. You know it's impossible. So why do we try? Imagining everybody that likes you is like the stupidest waste of your imagination capacity ever. You can't please everybody, but get this, you can please God. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. We can't please everybody, but we can please God. When you think about it, that in itself is a freeing statement. How do you please God? Whenever we live by faith, we please God. Think about it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's that word. Whenever we're obedient to the little P purpose moments in our life, we're faithful to the small things. As Jesus talked about, we please God. Whenever we die to ourselves and let Christ live through us, we please God. It is one of the most freeing moments to recognize that we can't please everybody, but we can actually please God. And although it is a statement legally said over your life when you choose Christ, it is a little p purpose every moment statement in your life if you make the right choice. That moment you please God. In the, you make the right choice of faith, that moment you please God. See, it's an overarching statement that you are that you are a pleasing to God, but when you activate faith, you please God. Right? It's a continual thing that we do. You can't please everyone, but you can please God. Hebrews eleven twenty four, I'll say it one more time in closing. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Value might be this, that you are being liked by people. But there's greater value than being loved by God. You might have the value that you're having fun with friends. There's a lot of people that I know that, that think having fun with friends is the best thing in life. But there's a greater thing, there's a greater value than that, and that is being faithful to God. You see, that helps us make the right choice in those moments when, are we pleasing God in this action? No, we're not. Well, I'm going to choose to please God because it's going to help fill my purpose value starts something important 
the greater value is actually in finishing. We can start 50 things in our lifetime and never complete one. You start one thing and complete it, you've done far greater with your life than starting 50. Value, you might like comfort. I like comfort. I'm built for comfort. Ask anyone, they tell you I'm phlegmatic. I like comfort. But you say greater calling, the greater value is calling. I will put aside my comfort for the greater calling of God. My comfort is to do, to be laid back and do nothing. But I will push into the purposes of God so that I will motivate his church to fulfill the pleasures of God. Think about it. We all have to make those choices in life. And you might have the value of being popular. 2,000 likes coming to your dinner. The greater value is serving God's purpose. My conclusion, there is power in purpose. First, purpose eliminates distraction. Second, purpose pushes you through the pain. And three, purpose empowers you to please God. We get choices each in our lives. Each day we wake up to make choices. Are we going to be a people that would stand today and say, I'm going to choose God's purposes over my popularity? If you'd like to do that, let's stand as we close in prayer for this, so- this section of our service. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that it is purpose that empowers us to please you. It is your purpose that pushes us through the pain. And it is discovering your purpose that will eliminate the distractions in our life. Lord, we don't want to be a people of distraction. We don't want to be a people seeking approval. We want to be a people that is living in the grace and favor of God. That each moment we would make the choice to put God first. Today we put you first. You first, Lord God. Help us to be faithful in the small p purpose so that we might see some large p purposes fulfilled through this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.